Welcome one and all to episode 147 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, you just ran a 4-3 at this year's 40. Unofficial, unofficial. But, I mean, man, these uh, these NFL Combine times, they, they were quick this year. <laughs> I've been training for at least two weeks. And let me tell you, at my age, running a 4-3-20 is no joke man um so that gets us i mean we could jump right into it because we're going to talk combine tonight we're going to talk combine on the on the patreon show later this week for just two dollars a month you get that extra episode we gave you a taste for free a couple weeks ago and it was our highest rated show yet so obviously i, I think people enjoyed it we're going to be talking about a lot of um numbers a lot of comparisons this week we're going to be doing a ton of combine comps on the patreon show so please check that out two bucks a month you get all our bonus episodes and we're up over 50 now so we're almost to 200 episodes of this show and when we came back we were on episode 101 so we've been putting in the work this year i hope you guys are enjoying it uh 2022 draft is fast approaching and speaking of fast seth is this the fastest class that we can remember or was it a fast track at the combine or are the clocks broken? What went on at this week's combine? I, I mean, I don't think that there's any one thing. I think it probably is a little, little bit of a combination of, of everything. So I can tell you this and, and I'm not going to say that things are, are, you know, better nowadays, but I will, I will tell you this, like, as somebody that, that coaches youth football, we have a program that starts in April. Our season doesn't start until September, like practices. We start. We have a program that starts in April where we time, laser time and test from the ages of 8 to 14 kids. And then we work them out and train them how to properly run and learn to run a 40 yard dash. And I mean, so that's, is that a little much, (laughs) but that's what I'm saying. Like it, it's literally starting when they're in like second and third grade now, like the training, the, the learning how to run, like the learning how to come out of your stance correctly. Like just little things like that is it's turning into this. It's a different thing, right? Like, it's when I went to high school a, a long time ago. We didn't. We hardly even lifted weights. Right, and so that's the thing is like these guys that like like Deion Sanders. When Deion Sanders ran a what four two whatever it was back in nineteen ninety one, as legend has it, yeah, yeah, he was just a freak of nature. Now a guy like Deion Sanders would since he was probably 12 or 13 years old, be trained on how to properly come out of his stance in a 40-yard dash, how to properly, you know, how you start low and then you get higher as you're running through 40 and, like, learn how to run properly, proper form, proper technique to get the fastest time possible. And so, like, these guys nowadays are specifically training to do things like run the 40. Now, you do get freaks of nature still. 
Rondell Moore last year is just a freak of nature. I mean, oh, we're going to talk five, about a few of these guys. In, yeah, in a, a few guy minutes, that, yeah. But a guy that was five eight, uh, what is he, one hundred and eighty five pounds, and with a forty two inch vertical, yeah, right. That squatted, I mean, a let or I guess he squatted what six hundred pounds as a something like that, yeah. Sophomore, I mean, there there are still freaks of nature, but now you're taking these freaks of nature that are NFL players, and you're training them how to prepare just to run forty yards as fast as they possibly can. Uh, and you're doing it on, you know, a very fast surface. They're they're able to run on basically what would almost akin to being like a track field. Like they're it's, not running. It's you know, just like not, Ohio State's facility now, right? And and you know, Apparently. so all all of these things, yeah, you're going to run faster times. I mean. Look, I'm not going to take anything away from Jordan Davis being um, a, a literal giant and running a four seven. Like spoiler, that, that dude's a freak <laughs> of na- a freak of nature. But there's also the fact that Jordan Davis has been coached and taught, and his agent paid thousands and thousands of dollars to get him prepared to run that eye popping, jaw dropping number because what has everybody been talking about since Jordan Davis ran the 40? And and honestly, it might not just be his agent because all the Georgia guys were extra fast this year. Like in years past, Georgia guys have not tested well, which we'll get into when we do the comps because I'm going to do a mea culpa. I was wrong. Only about Georgia guys though. Most of the other guys I talked about testing well or not testing well it it panned out that way, but the Georgia guys I underestimated because historically they hadn't been very good testers. This year they blew, you know, they blew the doors off Indy. So Jordan Davis was one of them. Trayvon Walker was another one. Uh, probably my biggest miss. Uh, I had I, I had Miles Garrett flashbacks with how badly I missed on how Walker would do. But you know, I, to me, you're absolutely right. The training is all geared toward these guys running good times, right? But the I don't think it was a fast track. I don't think it was a fast track. I think it was clock mismanagement. I think there were was some issues with the timing. And you saw it most glaringly with the running backs, the way they adjusted. Uh, on, on Thursday, the receivers ran, and they adjusted upwards, right? Uh, Olave runs a 4.26. His official time's a 4.39. But that was just one discrepancy. And when you saw the replay, you could see they didn't start the timer on the unofficial time until he was well out of his stance. Garrett Wilson was adjusted from 4.37 to just 4.38. So there, was, there weren't these huge discrepancies. But every running back lost like 0.1 off their time when they did the official time. So I, there's something very strange about that. But then throughout the weekend... You can't say it's funny money with the times unless you are going to say that, you know, Kyle Hamilton, who is a top four, top five player on most people's boards, he ran a four, five, nine. What if it's fast track? Is he slow? Is he he a four, seven guy? I mean, you've got to make those adjustments too. So if you want to go down that path, I think it's a slippery slope and I don't think you want to start fudging the combine times you're going to get 
you're going to get out of whack with your historical data if you do that. Was there something was there something problematic about the timing this year? I absolutely think there were, were some errors, but I don't think every time was an error. And I think you're going to get yourself into trouble if you assume that or if you just assume it's a fast track. Because if it's a fast track, then what are you going to do with all those offensive linemen that ran four nines? Are they all five, five, one guys? And in that case, most of those players aren't aren't that special historically. And, uh, you know, I think, I, I don't think that's the case. I think that was a, a very fast class because of the reason that you said, because they're training for it, they're gearing up for it. And, uh, you know, calling it fast tracks a cop out. I think you do have to check the timekeeping. This year was the first year it wasn't Charlie Casserly and forever. Um, and whoever was doing it wasn't doing that great of a job. But I think when they got those official times, they were looking at, the tape, looking at the electronic uh, start and stop, you know, and and adjusting them accordingly. They might have made some mistakes, but I think overall this was a fast class that trained up for it. Let's talk about some winners and losers from this combine. Uh, let's start with the Is there, winners. Do we have a better word for losers or? Guys that didn't impress, either yeah. physic- physically or time-wise. Um, yeah, I know I wrote did- loser on the show sheet. I just was setting you up. Oh. Or just disappointed in their uh, lack of working out. Right. We're not mad. We're just disappointed. Yeah. Well, we're parents. That's, <laughs> we use that line all the time. Um, let's start with winners. Desmond Ritter, uh, close to a free, as close to a freak as we've seen at, at, at the quarterback position. Yeah. I mean, uh, we had Emery Hunt on last week, and he compared Ritter to Marcus Mariota, and then Ritter went out and – Basically worked out like Marcus Mariota, right? He he had a four five two forty and a thirty six inch vertical. And at the time, at the time before the second group of receivers ran, uh, Desmond Ritter would have been one of the fastest receivers at, at four five two because the first group of receivers didn't didn't have good times. It was the second group that really uh, knocked, you know knocked the roof off the place and really set this whole narrative about the fast track on fire. Right. But Ritter, uh, to me, we talk about this as it relates to all prospects, right? You, you have to bet on physical traits when you have a situation where it's not, you don't have great prospects otherwise. And the quarterback class this year is, is so average that, uh, Ritter testing like this is important, I think, because it's going to make some people think that they can use his athleticism and turn turn that into something, right? His best comp that I found wasn't Mariota. It was actually Geno Smith. And I think that fits more in line with where he should be drafted, where Geno Smith was a second-round pick. And Ritter, a few weeks ago, I said – he. Maybe it was like late day two, early day three. Um, that doesn't really change what I think about him as a prospect, but his workout is going to change where you know where people feel like they can take a risk on him because now he's put it on. You know, it's on, it's there on tape. He's got an explosive lower body. He's got four or five speed. It's all there. The traits are there. It's just a matter of can he hone it? Can he become a more accurate passer and that kind of thing? So now I think 
it, the first round is in play for Ritter. I still don't think there are going to be four first round quarterbacks or anything like people are talking about. But um, I think he probably made the best impression in the workouts of any quarterback this this week. I I, I don't even think that's arguable. Uh, a guy that uh, Emery brought up a little bit on the show that our buddy Brandon Howard on Twitter talks about quite a bit, Zamir White. Uh, we've talked about Zamir and our concerns with the the multiple knee injuries. That did not slow him down on on at the combine. No, I, not at all. Zamir White. Uh... With a four four forty, I think at, at I think two hundred fourteen pounds, he looks healthy. Obviously, with the combine, they're going to do medical checks and that kind of thing, and that could reveal things in the in the MRI in the X rays that we're not privy to. Um, you, with the multiple ACLs, if there's meniscus involved, there could be some arthritis, and that might make some teams shy away. But four four for him, uh, uh, his size, a, yeah, and, and former five star recruit too. Well, here's my big thing, and I've said this for years, and there's a lot of people that don't agree with me, and quite frankly, I'm okay with that. But when you look at running backs, even the best, like like a Zeke Elliott, who was clearly you know a, a all all timer, uh, I'm I'm of the opinion that you you draft them, you use them for four or five years, and then you move on. And if you if you think you can get four years out of Zamir White on a you know on a second or third round contract with his physical attributes, I think it's a slam dunk. Now, like you said, you gotta worry about that arthritis and stuff, but but if you if you think that those knees are gonna hold up for four seasons, like his physical attributes and like you said, coming in as a former five star recruit, like this guy has been a freak at every level, right? Um, and and injuries really just are the only thing that held him back at Georgia. Uh, then then I'm all for using a day two pick on him because I'm okay knowing that I'm not going to get a second contract out of a guy if I'm going to work him to death in his first contract. And I know some people disagree with me, but you know, you and I, I, I and and. And I can it to something that you and I talk about in our, you know, we do a we do a dynasty, a really weird dynasty fantasy football league, but it's something I tell you all the time. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna try to win the league, you don't need draft picks. What you need are impact players, and and that's the thing is like you don't need to worry about a guy on a second contract if if he can be a you know, a pro bowler type of guy for, for three or four seasons on one contract. Yeah. And I root for running backs because I, I do think they matter. And, but I get why, you know, it, the, the evidence does show that when you give these guys a second contract, a lot of times the, they're running out of gas at that point. Um, I like when they get paid for their accomplishments, but you're right. It does. There is, you know, some shelf life there. But the thing about this too is a lot of, most teams are using running backs that can spell the, the number one running back, right? It, you don't have too many situations where you have like McCaffrey a couple of years ago where he gets every single touch 
in the uh you know out of the backfield and out of the receiver uh, the the running back receiving game too so white's going to be fine if you put him in a backfield where he gets spelled from time to time even nick chubb gets spelled he had serious knee injury too when he was in college uh one of the best running backs in the league he gets kareem hunt to spell him that's pretty uh a pretty good situation for that backfield so yeah, I think Zamir White, because Isaiah Spiller, and we'll talk a little bit more about him later, but because Spiller didn't run, and because you had Hall and, and Kenneth Walker both post really good workouts, I think White is really, if his medical checks out, I don't see why he's not in the running for running back three in this class, depending on what a team is looking for. I mean, he's really he's a really good player. Going back to the high school days, he was a top recruit. He played for a national championship team. Uh, he can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he's a, he's a good size back. He's not huge, but he's a good size. So I don't see why. If you can get him in, in the third round or maybe in the fourth round because running backs are going to get pushed down because there's so many good defensive prospects and offensive linemen in this class, he's going to end up being a value pick as long as those medicals check out. So. Um, well, and and even then, he still might be a a guy that goes in, uh, you know, late third, early fourth because of those medicals. Yeah, or right, he could go later. For all we know, we've seen guys really plummet because of uh, some bad MRIs. We don't find out about it till much later. Um, Christian Watson is a winner for me because he is an FCS kid. He had a great Senior Bowl. Uh, 6'4", 208 pounds at his weigh-in, which is tall and thin. There aren't a lot of guys to compare him to with that build. But he ran a 4'3", He had a, like a 38.5-inch vertical. Fantastic workout, from the, uh, making that jump from the FCS. So he's killed the draft process so far. Good senior bowl, great combine, and uh, I think teams are going to be very high on him. I'm not buying the first-round talk. There's still people talking about him in the first round. Maybe he does, but uh, he's still an FCS kid. He's going to be 23 years old. Not old, but he's not. uh, A lot of these receivers are 21, 22, and coming from bigger programs, running fast 40s themselves, things like that. So against better competition. So I I really, I like Watson. To me, he's going to be like, receiver seven or eight somewhere in that ballpark but which is great it's still going to be you know day two late day two but um you know nobody is has uh, asserted themselves more than than christian watson because of that competition jump he proves he belongs with all these guys zion johnson has probably your guy more than anyone else just killed this offseason process um uh, he was a big winner at the senior bowl and then he tested nearly elite um as a as a guard prospect and i mean high level testing for a guy his size um uh, comps you know really well to like a like an Ali Marpet who was a very i mean just retired for the bucks but was a Excellent player for a long time. Yeah, the, I think when you look at, at Zion, you know, at his size, 
312 pounds, 32 inch vertical, uh, a 7383 cone, a 446 short shuttle. Josh Norris, uh, who's with Underdog Fantasy now, he tweets about this every year. If you're an offensive lineman who has a shuttle in the 4-4s, you have a really good chance of success. And the list of, of those players includes uh, guys like Joel Batonio. Zion Johnson is guaranteed to go in the top 50 picks probably right now. And I think he's not going to make it out of the first round. The only thing is he's not tall. He's only 6'3", nice. and that's why he, that's why they're working him out at center. But he had long arms, too, so he could definitely play guard. I don't think you need a, a tall guy at guard. In fact, with a lot of these short quarterbacks, I don't think you want a tall guy at guard uh, anymore. You know, Unless you got Josh Allen back there, you don't want a guard that's too tall and your Baker Mayfield or your Kyler Murray can't see over the top. So, and then they, what, they're going to roll out and have an even taller tackle in front of them. So, Zion Johnson's one of my favorite players. You have been high on him for a long time. He has done nothing but impress me. And remember, this is a guy coming up from, he transferred from FCS Davidson to BC. And he asserted himself as a starter in the ACC. Had a fantastic senior bowl, fantastic combine. Another guy similar to Watson, except he has some real FBS tape. And finally, the literal biggest winner. <laughs> <laughs> we got to talk draft, about this guy. Jordan Davis, uh, 6'6", 341 pounds, ran a 4.7840, had a 32-inch vertical jump, and a 10.3 broad jump. Uh, I mean, he's literally a unicorn at that size. There, There's seriously no historical comp for him. And you know how Twitter, a lot of times, there'll be like that, uh, every, you know, every once in a while there's this tweet that goes around and it's this list of animals and it, it asks you like, which animal do you think you could beat in a fight? And there's like bear, hippopotamus, and, and uh, <laughs> raccoon, you know, there's just all kinds of just animals listed, small ones up to the largest ones. Jordan Davis, he might actually be able to beat a bear. I mean, this guy, he's, he's like a human bear. And he's, he's giant. He's fast. Can you be 341 pounds and he's faster than uh, a couple of the running backs we're going to talk about? Yeah, I mean, just insane the things he went through. Um, I mean, just from a, from a testing standpoint, it, it's hard to – it's really hard to – to look at him and not see a guy that can that can translate to the next level. Um, I mean, we talk about nose tackles and the value and, and that kind of thing, positional value, how many, what percentage of snaps they can play and all that. And that's a valid question with, with Jordan Davis because he didn't have a lot of sacks. You know, that's just not what the game that he played at Georgia. But here you have a guy, he's clearly, clearly – enormous and athletic enough to be a pass rusher. You just have to teach him how to rush the passer. And that's something he said he's been working on. So um, I will probably deviate from my normal stance on, on players of his size because of his uh, in, impressive athleticism. And, and I, 
I have to say, he's definitely a first-round player with that profile. It's just that you have to get something out of him that you haven't seen on tape. But uh, there's no reason that you can't expect it at, with, with that skill set. Let's talk about some guys that either have some eye-opening shortcomings or we just were a little disappointed. Uh, first off, Kenny Pickett has baby hands. <laughs> Everybody um, knew that. I think, I mean, I don't think baby hands Pickett's a bad nickname. Like, <laughs> it's it's you, funny I th- one. I think you just, I think he just needs to lean into it and own it. You know, um, uh, would they, everybody likes to share that Burger King commercial with, with the guy with the tiny hands, which involves catching a football. But, you know, Pickett. We all knew that he had small hands. He didn't measure his hands at the senior bowl, which is, you know, everybody knew he was side something. We heard the story. He's double jointed, whatever. Nobody cares. Um, the ball wobbles out of his hand. Uh, people say, well, he played it at Pitt. Uh, so he knows how to play in cold weather. Well, it's 50 degrees in November on average in, in Pittsburgh. You know, he's not playing in the ice bowl. I right. think that- it's not like he's playing five or six games in December. No, in I January. think that, that whole thing's kind of overblown anyway, because like how many bad weather games does anybody really play per year? Probably but, at, at most, I would say three, right? Yeah. Maybe two or three, but you know, the fact of the matter is he fumbled a ton. And uh, like I said, the ball kind of flutters sometimes. He still had the, he still had a fantastic year and he's, he's probably going to be my, number two quarterback in this class, which is damning with faint praise. But um, I don't think there's any way around it. Nobody in the history of NFL has had that small hands and been a success. People can say Michael Vick, but I mean, that's comparing apples to oranges. That's ridiculous. Don't bring up Michael Vick to justify picking Kenny Pickett, small hands. It, It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'm not saying I wouldn't draft him, but I wouldn't draft him in the first round. So it's, He's just not that good of a quarterback prospect. The small hands are just icing on the cake. Kyron Williams, we were perplexed when he declared. Um, And now this is going to be a test case for what you see on film and what you think translates because at 194 pounds, he only ran a four six five forty. Um, we didn't get some numbers because <laughs> the combine decided they needed to wrap it up. Um, but this was not a good showing for Kyron Williams. No, I initially he ran that the timing was in the four sevens. So, you know, he was comparing to some guys like Ray Graham of Pitt, who never made it in the NFL, and just a bunch of names that you don't want to be associated with. Now that they dropped his time to 4.65, which, again, the running backs were probably the most questionable times of the whole combine. Um, What's his best-case scenario? Andre Ellington? Uh, It's just a really unfortunate combine for him. And um, he's still got his pro day. Maybe he can run in the four fives. But this is going to leave a, a bitter taste in people's mouths, especially if, if this is like Lance Zerline said, if this is a fast track, what does that mean for Kyron Williams? 
He ran a 4.65 on a fast track. How fast is he? Uh, I think one of his calling cards is pass protection. And you can't take that away from him. But he's so small at 194. Can Is he really going to pass protect it, uh, effectively in the NFL? I think that remains to be seen. So I, I think he's going to be a late day three draft pick or possibly even an undrafted free agent at this point. Isaiah Spiller didn't run and had very below average jumps at 30 inch for the vertical uh, nine, six broad. Uh, are we concerned about the explosiveness of Spiller at this point? And I'm just surprised. He, do you think he cut that off because he didn't want to run poorly? I don't know why you decide not to run if you're afraid you're going to run poorly, but then jump poorly. Like I don't know well, what the strategy is there. Do they do the jumps first? I'm I'm genuinely asking. I don't know. I they did do the jumps first, but so may, the, that's what the I'm news saying. came you out think- that he was not going to run before that though. Oh, did it? Okay, yeah. So he he had said he wasn't going to run, and then he went out and did the jumps, even though presumably he had to know that he he wasn't going to do that well in the jumps. Surprising to me because. He put on about 20 pounds since high school, and uh, you would think that he would improve upon his high school testing. But uh, strangely enough, that's not always the case with running backs. It seems, uh, you know, that specifically running backs, sometimes the weight they put on, I'm not saying it's not good weight, but it's different weight, so it doesn't always translate to better testing. So he kind of tested the same way that he would have in high school at, at like 196 pounds. So I think it's a bad day for Spiller. Uh, first of all, to say you're not going to run and then you missed out on getting your time juiced at the combine. Um, or not, I don't know, you know, just, just spit on there. But it it's not good, you know, when you got guys like uh, Zamir White running four fours, you're, you're kind of become an afterthought. And Spiller, we've always thought Spiller was the top three running back in this class. And I still really love what he put on tape. But, you know, it's a it, his his comparison is like Ben Jarvis Green Ellis at his weight with his athleticism. So, which, was, I, which again, is a good career, but he was undrafted, wasn't he? Yeah, I believe so. He's either seventh round or undrafted. So. Yeah, I think Spiller's probably going to go on day three now. I think it's probably stamped. So I would be surprised if you hear his name called before the f- – probably before the fifth round, honestly. Speaking of day three, a guy that I think everybody was a little surprised by his his you know poor test results was David Bell, the Minnesota – or sorry, the uh, Purdue um, wide receiver. Uh, Four six five forty. He he comps out athletic testing only, and that's why you know athletic testing comps and and then you know breaking them into playing comps is so important. But athletic testing only, he comps out to a guy that was a complete unicorn in the NFL, Anquan Bolden. Yeah, I mean, it, so you don't want to bank on that kind of comparison ever. You know, the the only guy you can find is the only guy ever who tested that poorly and turned it into a Pro Bowl type of career. 
And well, if, I think everybody if, would agree that David Bell doesn't play with the kind of edge that Anquan Bolden played with. Well, but also remember, Bolden even played a little quarterback at Florida State. So, like, he's a he's just a different cat in general. Like, he he was a risky pick by the Cardinals anyway. And so you're talking about, you know, Bell being a, a less physical, less dynamic uh, you know, receiver at this point. It's, it's, I don't know, man. Like that's, that was a, a little bit of an eye opening test because when you watch him, and I'm not saying it's as bad, um, but when you watch him, you play with Rondell Moore last year. I didn't think he was that bad of an athlete. No, I mean, they, they were saying that he would run the four fours. That was what people at Purdue have been saying. So, really surprising result. Again, this kind of flies in the face of the fast track theory. And, um, you know, it's a shame because Bell is a guy who went to high school in Indianapolis. So, he was, pre- he was working out in front of his home fans. And uh, to have such a poor workout. You know, it's see, this was a guy we had in our top five receivers earlier in the year. That's just not going to be possible anymore. Um, he's going to have to play a possession role. He's going to have to play a slot possession receiver role. And uh, I think there's still a role for him. He's kind of this year's Kelvin Harmon, where Harmon worked out poorly and ended up in the seventh round. So David Bell's going to plummet on draft week. And the last guy that we want to talk about is another player that you and I had high hopes for coming into the season, but he just did not perform very well. And that's uh, offensive lineman Kenyon Green from Texas A&M. We, they talked about on the broadcast, he's played, all, he's played four of the five positions along that line, but only 20 reps on the bench. That's not end-all, be-all, right? His 40 was in the five twos at 324. That's fine for a guard. But he has no lateral agility. He's so 5.12 short shuttle. He's purely power scheme guard at this point. And that really, when you have that could, kind of limitation, you you're just not going to be a pick for everybody. Could you play him at right tackle in like a, a Ravens scheme? Like what did Brown test? And I know Brown's significantly bigger, but like what were Brown's numbers? I'm just genuinely curious. If he was in the... Yeah, he was in the eight second, five second club, like eight over eight second three cone, over five second short shuttle. You don't want that generally. Um, there are guys, so, you know, it can work out, but it's very right. scheme specific. So you know, it kind of drops you. Brown went in the third round, and I think Kenyon right. Green's going to we drop were, way out of the first round. I mean, we've seen Kenyon Green mocked in the top ten to twelve. Not anymore. Right, uh, and uh, I think we had him in our first round mock a couple weeks yeah. ago, didn't we? Would you say Zion Johnson's uh, interior offensive lineman number one? We didn't mention um, Tyler Linderbaum, and, and that's really because there's there's not a lot of good comps for a guy his size. Um, mm-hmm. And he didn't work out. And, and well, I just meant size wise. There's just not a lot of great comps for no, not from a guy, the, not from the two thousands. Yeah, his size and weight, or size and a. Uh, Size and arm length, and so Zion's yeah, he's going to be O line interior O line 
one unless, unless you, you're projecting you put, like a Quanu or, or Evan Neal. Or Neal, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, you had a couple, you had a hot take for us. Let's do this one. Um, this is Jim Nagy at Jim Nagy underscore SB. He's the chief of the senior bowl. And, uh, after the safety workouts, Kyron Williams wasn't the only slow poke from Notre Dame. Kyle Hamilton, as I mentioned, four, five, nine. So Nagy opportunistically tweeted, heard from multiple teams that Georgia's Lewis scene blew them away in interviews. Is he the first safety off the board now after running a 4.37 and jumping 11 feet 1 inch? There were some teams that had first round grades on him before doing all that. So as Kyle Hamilton, who the draft network said was the number one overall player in the draft heading into this year. And I know they weren't alone. Uh, Mina Kimes said on Sunday he was the number one overall player in the draft. Has he been usurped? Is Lewis seen now safety one? He's not only, not only is Kyle Hamilton no longer the top player in the whole draft, he's not even the top safety now? Yeah, that's a, it's a interesting uh, development. You know, after his testing, you and I talked and I said, you know, he, Kyle Hamilton really reminds me of Adrian Wilson. He really does. And that's a that's a strong compliment. I mean, Adrian Wilson is one of my favorite players to ever watch for the Arizona Cardinals. He, you know, he had a fantastic career for them, a uh, multi-time pro bowler. I think he even was an all-pro one time. Uh, he was a good player, man. But he got drafted in the third round. Mm-hmm. And, and a guy like Hamilton is going to go in the – First round, I imagine five. he's still going top twenty at least at the latest. Well, but you know the he, other comps for him too were like T.J. McDonald and uh, Bernard Pollard. You know, size, speed, athleticism. Those are the guys that come up. Those guys were day two picks as well, third round and second round respectively. So, is that the kind of play? Does he really have the range to play the back end like we thought he did based on his his tape, or is Notre Dame just playing cupcakes? Yeah. So that's going to be an interesting one to follow, man, because I just don't know what what we think of of a safety that is a big guy, a good ball player, but like, can you really take him mm-hmm. in the top five now? Not in the top five, no. And and somebody said Justin Simmons. Well, Justin Simmons ran a four six, and he had good jumps and everything, good shuttles. Well, Kyle Hamilton had had the good jumps. That's good too. Uh, and again, Simmons was a day two pick, so you, right. you you're calculating value here. And man, so many like so many freak offensive linemen, defensive ends, and defensive linemen emerged. Uh, you know, we knew a lot. We knew about most of them going into this week, and a lot of them really, you know, put their stamps on it. And it's going to be tough to see. I think you're going to have a lot of positions get pushed back while there's a big run on these offensive linemen, defensive ends, and defensive tackles early on. That's going to be like half the first round. And so you're only going to see, I think, three or four receivers. You're only going to see – you won't see any running backs in the first round. You might see one safety or one linebacker. But uh, I think that those guys really dominated the scene and they're going to 
people are going to, you know, the personnel people are going to think they need to go get one of those guys. Anything else before we get out of here? No, just thanks for uh, listening, subscribing. We had a great week, uh, a great couple of weeks with the, the downloads and the streaming. So keep it up. Keep uh, joining us. We'll have a lot more great information for you. And give us a subscription over at Patreon, just two bucks a month. We really appreciate you. Yep. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back later this week with a bonus episode on our Patreon. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A a read. Yeah, that's it. Exactly.